Well, Trevor uh, tried to be funny at the call to worship, um, which isn't exactly unique to most Sundays, um, by saying, let me be the first to tell you on January the 9th, Happy New Year. And the reality is we love new. We are drawn towards new. And several weeks ago, uh, I sent some of my close friends um, a screenshot of this meme that had uh, kind of gone around the, the circuit, and it kind of confronts our desire for new. 2022 is 2022. And everybody replied to that with like expletives and words I can't say in church, and like, no, please, dear God. And then this week we've had like 750,000 COVID cases at Temple, which is amazing, right? But that's, that is COVID math. But anyways, like, um, it, we're like, seriously, are we stuck, you know? And then the wonders of social media, um, the, the one year ago today thing on Facebook, which is like Instagram with words, um, it pops up and it says one year ago today, we were forced to go virtual only. We didn't have any in-person services. And it's like, has that been a year? Cause that feels like we're stuck there, right? We really want something new, right? We want to move forward with new, uh, uh, shout out to my family. I'm wearing a new sweatshirt today because like hoodies are my love language and they got this for me at Steamboat for our Thanksgiving getaway. Wasn't that sweet of them? We love new. Well, more than that, uh, what I'm excited about is we are starting a new series uh, on a new book of the Bible that we've not preached through yet here at Temple since I've been here, uh, the book of Acts. And the theme of the book of Acts is the new thing that God is going to do in the story of rescue, the new thing God is going to do in the story of redeeming humankind, you and me. And so I'm really excited for this series. Grab your Bible if you would. If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath the seat in front of you. Um, we're going to hold up our Bibles together across the room. Uh, and if you're worshiping online, I know we've got a lot of folks homesick. I just made COVID jokes and you're like, dude, it's not funny. I can't smell your jokes. Listen, I'm sorry. That you're not feeling well. We love you and we're praying that you get better. Uh, please stay away until you are. But for, for the rest of us, we're going to say our creed wherever you are. Say it out loud together. Let's hold up our Bibles and declare this this morning. Here we go. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Turn to Acts chapter number one. Uh, if you are new to the things of the Bible, uh, you can see that there's an Old Testament to your left and a New Testament to your right. The fifth book in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's where we are going to be uh, for much of 2020, we think, Lord willing. Uh, we believe that's what the Lord's leading us to. Now, we're going to move through this book, not super slow and academic and whatever. We're going to try to get through the book this year. Um, today, though, is going to be slow. We're only going to get through three verses today. Matter of fact, we're kind of only going to look at like three words in these three verses really today. Um, but the rest of the series won't be this slow, I promise. Um, but I want us to start right. And to start right, we need to slow down a little bit in this book. So we're going to read the first three verses together. Uh, the first two are one thought. In the first book, O Theophilus, doesn't that just sound like a cute animal? 
like a cross between like a walrus and a, I don't, I don't know, a, a Theophilus, you know, like a Sesame Street character. Okay. I, ever since I was a little kid, when I've heard Theophilus, I've been like, oh, a little fuzzy. Okay, sorry, whatever. Maybe it's just me. Now maybe I've ruined that for you the rest of your life. You're going to picture a Sesame Street. Okay. In the first book, Old Theophilus, I, be, I have dealt with all that Jesus began. Say the word began. began. Good job. To do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he'd given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he'd chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive. Say the word alive. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Say the word proofs. Well done. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about, as he always did, the kingdom of God. So we look back at these first two verses uh, to, to start off our time. It's where we'll spend most of our time together this morning. Super, super quick. Let's deal with the very first phrase in the first book. He's not referring to the book of Genesis. If you know that that's the first book of the Bible, that's not what he means by the first book. The book of Acts is actually volume two of a two volume set written by Luke. And I wish we could spend a lot of time talking about Luke and Theophilus, but we get way too bogged down and I'm, I'm determined that I'm going to be disciplined and not chase those two rabbits, the two rabbits named Luke and Theophilus this morning. But the gospel of Luke is part one, and really it should segue straight into the book of Acts. That's where it picks up. As a matter of fact, they sort of overlap. And in the heart of this, where I want us to spend most of our time together this morning, is the simple word, began. It's, it's such a, an insignificant word at first glance that we would rush right past it and just keep reading. But the fact is, if we don't understand that this idea is just something that God has started and sustained and, and that he's the origin of it all, we'll never end up with a proper understanding in it. And here's what I mean by this. The greatest story ever told, God came to us. Right? Every other religion begins with, you better get to God. Our story begins with, God came to us. Born of a virgin. Merry Christmas. God bless us everyone. The birth of Jesus. And then we have the sinless life of Jesus. And then we have the ministry of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. And then we have the betrayal of Jesus. We have the mock trial in the dark of night of Jesus. We have the persecution and then execution of Jesus. The burial of Jesus. And then we have the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then the ascension of Jesus fade to black. That's how the Gospels end. Especially the synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are like, and then he rose from the dead, and then he left. See ya. Fade to black. But this fade to black is not the end. It is to be continued. Right? 
I don't like to be continued. I want resolution and ending. I don't like watching movies that end on a cliffhanger. I don't like watching shows that end on a cliffhanger. I don't like stories that end on a cliffhanger. My whole life is a cliffhanger. Like I spend all day hoping for resolution in stories. If I'm escaping through entertainment, resolve that thing. Right? I don't like to be continued. Let's pick that thing back up. Matter of fact, sometimes if I know something ends in it to be continued, I'll wait till the continued comes out so I can watch them together. What's the show just recently that I refused to watch? I'm, I'm blanking right now on Disney Plus until they all came out. I can't remember now. Huh? Hawkeye. Yes. I was like, we're not starting another one of these stinking uh, Disney Plus shows because they all end with like, a, well, what now? We're waiting until they all get released. Everybody else is like, have you seen it? It's great. I'm like, I'll see it when it's it. To be continued. And that's how the gospels end, to be continued. And here's the thing this morning. Here's where we have to start at the beginning of the book of Acts. We are living in the to be continued. We are living in the Jesus did all of this and now us. This is called the church age or the age of grace. This is the days of the to be continued. The continued work of Jesus is called church. Church is not our idea. It's what Jesus began. This book, if you look at your Bible or if you have a device that has the heading at the top, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. But really, this is the Acts of the Church. This is the story of what Jesus started and has now invited us into. This thing that the gates of hell itself cannot prevent the advancement of the church. And what I want us to do at the beginning this morning, okay, is I want us to talk about what does this word mean and then historically how has this been viewed. And so if you don't like definitions or history, give me five minutes and then we'll come back and I'll tell a dumb dad joke and you'll be back engaged again, okay? Is that cool? Meet me halfway. Let's put some effort here together. This word that's translated 114 times in the Greek New Testament as church is the word ekklesia. And if you've been around Christianity for a long time, maybe you've heard of Ecclesia. There's even churches called Ecclesia, which is kind of funny because it's like church, church. Ecclesia church is a stutter. But this word has very important meaning for us because the word church is actually not in the Bible anywhere. As a matter of fact, it's not a Greek word. As a matter of fact, it's not even a word that's close to that word. Because sometimes whenever we talk about a Greek word here, you'll be like, oh, that kind of sounds like blah. Ecclesia. Ecclesiological would be the closest we could get to this. The, we're going to talk more about the origins of the word church in a couple weeks. I'll, I'll give you five more minutes of academic that week, and then we'll jump back into the text. For the sake of today, the, the definition of the word ecclesia is an assembly or a gathering of people around an idea. Not a generic gathering, not an accidentally we all just showed up at the same place. An intentional assembly of people around an idea, or you could say around a cause. Matter of fact, probably the, the best definition for ecclesia in our language today would be a movement. Right? We've got movements for all these random things now. 
Ecclesia essentially is the idea of movement. It's actually not a spiritual word or a religious word. For centuries before the Christian church, for centuries before Christ, the word ecclesia was a commonly used word. It's whenever people got together and they were determined that they had something strong on their minds, which united them. Social causes. People would come together for the cause of their tribe, their village, their city. They would gather together, and that was called an ecclesia. People would even come together for political reasons, and that was called an ecclesia. And so when the followers of Jesus were united to this thing, and they were together, and they're like, this is a movement, they borrowed this word, ecclesia. The definition is important if we're ever going to end up where he intended he began ecclesia, an assembly around an idea, a gathering around a cause, a movement, a united movement. That's what ecclesia means. But a terrible thing has happened. The definition has been profoundly watered down and corrupted over the years. Over centuries, first of all, we stopped using the word ecclesia, and it began to become an entirely different thing. And so I'm going to give you, in like two minutes, what I believe is a history of the word church. And this is not authoritative, and you won't find this in the concordance. This is just my opinion, but I stand by it pretty strong, and these are generic windows of time. You with me? You with me? We good? Are you trying as hard as I'm trying? Okay, here we go. First century, book of Acts. Ecclesia. That's what this thing is called in the very first century as we're reading this. Matter of fact, not till Acts chapter five is it called that, but we'll get there eventually in a few weeks. Ecclesia, a gathering around an idea, a movement, right? Fast forward only about the fourth century, very beginning of the fourth century, kind of towards the end of the third century. We have this massive shift in the idea of ecclesia, where all of a sudden it transitions from being a gathering around an idea to becoming a place. Because what happens at the beginning of the fourth century is for the first time we see real estate involved in the definition of church. Around the, the reign of Emperor... Uh, Emperor uh, um, uh, just lost his name. Constantine. We have this a lot of complicated history of the relationship between the church and the state. And all of a sudden we have the right to own stuff. And so all of a sudden it becomes about a place. We now can own buildings and property and stuff. At the same time, where all of a sudden the coins, remember Jesus says, hey, go take that coin uh, out of the, the mouth of a fish and you're going to see the face of Caesar. So give Caesar what's Caesar and give God what's God's. And this is the first time in history we see coins with a cross on it. So all of a sudden this idea of church is money and stuff and a place. And then we fast forward to the early, early medieval period, the, the dark ages, the early middle ages, and, and we've transitioned from ecclesia to place to now its institution. It's now this, this hierarchy and this powerful political and manipulative institution, very controlling and authoritative. And 
And, and we see that we've come a long way away from the ragtag movement around a cause. It's now an institution. And then we have the era that many of us in this room were born into the post-industrial revolution, what's called the modern age. We find that we've transitioned from ecclesia to a place, to an institution, to an organization. We're a 501c3 not-for-profit tax-exempt business. We, we aren't just a place anymore. We're a whole structured organization with like pie charts and pyramids and lots of Excel spreadsheets. I was talking through this idea with Lance and he said, oh my goodness, could it get any worse than that? Hold on. So then we have what I believe we've transitioned in my lifetime because the world is changing really fast. And so what, what changed really slow, and, and let me say this too before, before I get the last one. In every one of these eras, we have seen Ecclesia persevere because the gates of hell can't stop her. She's continued to advance. She's just been a remnant. And what we see is, is in a majority view, we've gone from ecclesia to a place, to an institution, to an organization. And then now, today, in the 21st century, end of the 20th century, it's just become an event. It's now a spectator venue event. The same as if on Sunday morning we went on our Ticketmaster app to see if we had seats today or not. It's just become this thing we show up to and sit and watch and then leave. That's never been the heart or the idea or the theme. And for the next several months as we walk through this book together, nowhere will we see attendance at an event. We will see belonging to a movement. Because listen to me, Christ did not come and Christ did not die and Christ did not raise from the dead for an organization or for an institution or for an event or for even a place. He came to launch a movement. He began a cause worth rallying around. That's what he began. A movement that begins in our homes. A movement in our city. A movement in our nation. And a movement in the entire world. That's what he began. That is what we now belong to. What he has invited us into. That's what he began. So why this series, why now? Why the book of Acts and why now? And I don't know that I have uh, magical answers for that. I've been wanting actually to preach through the book of Acts and had kind of hoped to back in 2020. And I was like, well, I'm not going to start a 12-month series when I don't know where we're meeting. And so some of that's just been a delay in the Lord's timing. But the fact that I feel like he's given us a window to start this series now is interesting because I truly believe in my heart of hearts, this is a pivotal year in our culture for this thing called church. 
This is a pivotal year. As a matter of fact, Monday morning, I woke up to an email in my inbox. There's a uh, prolific writer in the church world named Kerry Newoff. He's a Canadian who um, is is a, a New York Times bestselling author. And a, again, the, the guy publishes daily content. Uh, prolific writer. And every day I get an email in my inbox from whatever information he is sharing that day. And Monday, this past Monday, January the 4th, 3rd, whatever that was, uh, was the first Monday... Of the new year. And so I wake up to the blog link for the first Monday, back to work. Hey pastors, welcome back to the saddle from the holidays. Here's some thoughts for the new year. And the whole blog post was about how church attendance is going to stink for the next year. Yay! Literally. He's like, welcome to the new normal. Happy new year. Man, I need some more coffee. And I'm actually getting constant articles being written by church experts about this church attendance crisis. And here's what I would submit to you. I don't believe we have a church attendance crisis today. I believe we have a church theology crisis today. We don't know what it is. No wonder we don't come to her. We don't understand our purpose, our vision. Why are we here? Why is this important? What are we doing? I think we've, we've lost our way a long way ago from Ecclesia to where now we're just talking. This is the force of God that he began. I love how Paul David Tripp worded it. He said, you learn from Acts that nothing will stop the march of God's grace through his church. That's what we're going to talk about for the next few months together, several months together. Nothing can stop the march of God's grace on planet Earth. And we're a part of that. We belong to that. We don't show up at that, attend that. We belong to that. That's ecclesia. That's a movement around a cause. We, we as a church, we have a history. In 1945, the, the Davis family, just a little south of here in East Fort Worth, had a burden for a move of God on the east side of this city. And they stuck up a tent and asked somebody to come preach. There was no institution, very little organization. There was a desire for a move of the gospel grace of God. But our history is way more than 77 years old. The fact is what we will discuss over the next several months together is our actual history. This is what Jesus began. And the whole book of Acts is not what happened after Jesus left. It's what Jesus is still doing. It's the ongoing work of Jesus. Let me say this. I mentioned that that blog post and all these articles I keep being sent about the crisis of church attendance. And, and, and I want to say this this morning. I pray you'll hear me in my heart. Church attendance can't be our biggest problem because church attendance is not our highest purpose. Church attendance, I'm going to say it again, can't be our biggest problem 
Because church attendance is not our highest purpose. I'll say it this way. It can't be the crisis because it's not our cause. Our cause is not to show up in a room together. It's infinitely greater than that. It's a mission to storm the gates of hell itself with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church attendance is not our greatest problem. But let me say this. The mission is more than just gathering. But the mission is not less than gathering. Does that make sense to anybody? The mission's more than gathering, but it's not less than gathering. By definition, ecclesia is a gathering, an assembly, a congregating, a coming together. And so it does matter because it's part of our identity is that we're in this together. On mission together. A movement together. Let me give a few illustrations of this that have been marinating in my strange little brain. When I think of Ecclesia, I think of when I just started out in ministry, working at a church plant and trying to get to know people in this community. And so I was volunteered to serve as a referee in the community little kids soccer league. You ever attended a little kids soccer match? It's fascinating. Okay, if you've never attended one, let me ask this. Have you ever put food into a fish tank with a bunch of fish and they all to the food? That's refereeing a little kids soccer match. You'd spread them all out. You'd help the coaches coach. That's your little region. And you'd put the ball down and you'd blow the whistle. Shunk. And they would just like move around the whole field together. Every now and then, the ball would squirt out and chaos would ensue while the mass goes in circles again around the ball. And the reality is we are gathered around a cause and we are moving together. And that's what Ecclesia is. Only we're not doing so aimlessly. We're doing so intentionally filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which we'll talk more about next week. Let me give another illustration. And I want to speak specifically to assembly here. Let me say this before I give the second illustration. It's so weird that I just so happen to be sharing these illustrations while we're having another outbreak and we've got a bunch of people at home who are sick. So please hear me. This in no way is shaming you for staying home if you're sick. Please stay home if you're sick. Um, we're not beating you up and, and we're not trying to shame anybody for being cautious or for, for taking necessary health precautions. Please don't hear it as that. For those who are doing everything in life except attending church, this is to whom we're addressing this. Make sense? Right? The people who I've seen in Walmart who've said, we're just not ready to come back to church yet. In Walmart. <laughs> like I might as well have caught you with your tongue on a doorknob in Times Square. 
Walmart. <laughs> is, is worshiping online the same? If I told Marisa, I really want to have a nice, romantic, together kind of date. So I want you to pick the place, make a reservation, but I really want to watch the game. <laughs> have you finished? So you go, order whatever you want, just FaceTime me. And we'll be together. It's the same. No. Because if she does that, I'm going to be like, turn the camera around. Who's across the table? Because she says, yes, something's wrong. That's, that's not a good way to do assembly. But anyways, um, that's not the same. Right? It's just different. Now, it might be like, hey, there's a reason we have to do things through Zoom or through FaceTime or whatever because somebody's sick or whatever. And it's totally understandable for that to be a, a temporary thing when necessary. But it's not in a continued ongoing way, ecclesia. Sadly, it might be church. But we're trying to recover ecclesia. Okay, one more illustration. Several weeks ago, and for the life of me, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with. So if it's you, feel free to come tell me afterwards that I forgot you. I'm sorry. I was having a conversation with someone about attending a sporting event, specifically a football game. And I was talking about how much I love attending football games. And they were telling me how much they did not. It's expensive. You got to park and walk. And then it's like loud. You can't hear stuff and like can't see. It's just down there and whatever. And it's distracting. And I mean, ugh, I'd rather stay at home in the comfort of home, be able to watch the replays, rewind it when I want to, skip the commercials. Like it's so much better at home. And we were having a debate about how ridiculous that is. And they're like, no, what? And then it dawned on me. I said, wait, are you into football? And they were like, oh, no, I could take it or leave it. And I said, oh, that's why being there isn't a big deal to you. Because if you're really into it, there's something about being there. Like if it's, if it's something that you belong to. And here's the interesting thing about attending a football game. Unless you own stock in the Green Bay Packers, you're not really a part of that team. You don't belong. They will gladly take your money. But you don't actually belong to that. But we belong to Ecclesia. Like we're, we're a part of the thing. We're actually on the front lines. 
We're not spectators. We're in the game. That's ecclesia. We are united and gathered and together around a cause. For the last couple minutes of our time together this morning, here's the question. What's the cause? What's the idea? And here's the answer. His name is Jesus. Look at verse number three again. He presented himself alive. That's that's the cause. <laughs> alive. A dead guy presented himself. Ta-da! Present. Reporting for duty. A dead guy. I don't know if you know this, but that doesn't happen. There's no other movement and there's no other cause that has that origin story. Jesus is the center of our mission. He's the center of our cause. It's all about him, by him, and for him. And next week, we'll, God willing, get through verse 11. And one of the things you'll notice is in the first 11 verses of the book of Acts, every single one of them, they mention Jesus. He's the center of the story because he's the one who got up from the dead. And here's what's amazing. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs. Oh, that's a good word. A lot of translations actually add a word here, like proven proofs. Infallible proofs. Unshakable proofs. The reason a lot of English translations add a word here is because it's such a strong, aggressive word in the original uh, original language. It's like proof, proof. Like take it to the bank, proof. As a matter of fact, like the actual definition of this word that's translated proof here in the text is a marker, like like a signpost, supplying indisputable information. (laughs) Like there's this thing that nobody can argue with, unmistakable, irrefutable, fixed, and sure. It's such an aggressive word, it's only used once in the entire Bible. And it's used in regards to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's at the center of this because there is no Christianity without Christ. It's all him. He's the one who was dead and now lives. That changes everything. Because that's still his mission. He's still bringing life to dead places through this thing called ecclesia. He's still advancing the cause of life through this gathering of a cause of people around an idea that there's a God who laid down his life and took it up again. He's the life giver. He's the mission. We gather around him because this is all about him. And so in a weird way, this could be called the Acts of the Apostles, that's fine. It could be called the Acts of the Church. That's even better. Or it could be called the Acts of Jesus. 
He's the reason we keep moving forward. It's all about Him. And it's all by Him. He's the cause. Many proofs. Because here's the thing. Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Jesus appeared to some individuals. He he had appeared to some groups of two. He appeared to some groups of 12 to 20-ish. And then he appeared at one time to 500 people. And the reason that's a big deal is psychologists tell us that multiple people can't have the same exact hallucination. If the story of the resurrection was the story of Luke, I don't know how provable that proof is. But when 500 people see the same thing and give an account and a testimony of the same dead guy now alive, that's unshakable. And the incredible thing is they engage with all of their senses with the resurrected Christ. I've made some COVID jokes here. The reality is those of us who've had COVID and lost taste and smell, it was weird, wasn't it? I felt like a crazy, crazier than normal person. Like I really felt like I was out of my own body when I couldn't taste or smell. And some of you have been dealing with that for months, right? Because our existence is informed by our senses. So when two out of the five of those betray us, that's the big deal. Check this out. They saw Jesus raised from the dead. They touched the wounds in his hands and in his side. They broke bread together. They heard the familiar voice of Jesus. And I just believe it's not in the Bible, so you can ignore this. I think they smelled the perfume that had been placed on him a week earlier. Like, oh, I know that cologne. Many proofs that Jesus is raised from the dead. So we're not a group of fringe lunatics like the culture says we are that are rallied around this ridiculous, ignorant, uneducated idea. No, the resurrection is not something I have a blindfold on when I believe. It's a historical fact that's changed the world. That's the movement. And the gospel has advanced around the world and that's still the to be continued that we live in today. So beginning next Sunday, we're going to go into a season of some, some things I'm really excited about as a church. Beginning next week, uh, each week for several weeks, we're going to have some of our missionaries who are serving around the world here with us. People we've been partnering with for a long time who are going to give us an update of what their ministry has looked like, especially in the last two years and what God's doing in their life right now. Typically, in the month of February, we'll have a weekend dedicated towards our global missions emphasis. We weren't able to do that last year for obvious reasons. And so instead, we're going to drag that out. Instead of just doing one weekend, we're going to have multiple week after week after week. We're having special guests here with us who are going to share what God's doing. And I cannot wait for you to hear some of these stories. Because here's the deal. God's still continuing what he began. (laughs) He's still working. And he's still moving. And he's still inviting us to be a part of it. Let me close with this idea. 
Here's the thing about movements. They move. They're not stagnant. They don't stay still. So this morning, I'm I'm inviting you to pray two prayers this morning. God, move in me. God, move us. I'm asking for a remnant of people in this room to pray those two prayers with me right here in this moment. God, move me. God, move us. Because as desperate as we might be to pretend like there's not anything contagious anymore, I believe the people of God are desperate today for a move of God. And for you, that might look like the beginning of the story. Maybe you don't know for sure that you have a relationship with God. And the beautiful thing is, in just a moment, as, as we sing our last song, there's going to be some men and women in the prayer room in the back. Or you can text PrayFW to 94000 if you're online. Say, hey, I don't know for sure where I'm at in this story. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But whether you haven't started that story yet, or you've been walking this journey for a long, long time, I'm asking you to pray those two prayers with me this morning. God, move in me. God, move among us.